0: Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedoms Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedoms Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to Assisting Freedoms Path in providing their services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices of Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pakani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Shaniqui. We acknowledge the Satuna who are Dene and the Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status from all of Tarot Island and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. So today, Gary, uh, thanks for coming in, man. Um, tell, us, tell us about yourself, dude. Tell us your story, and then, of course, let's talk about your book when, yeah. whenever you like. Oh, and, awesome. Well, geez, yeah, we've known each other since I came into the
1: program. It's been all a while. Right? Yep. And, uh, yeah, And yeah, uh, my journey kind of goes back before me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I like to include my mom in my family history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a second residential uh, school s- survivor as well, mm-hmm. second generation. My mom was raised in a residential school in Gruard, Alberta, which is right in, by High Prairie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was taken at about two and a half years old. I don't know the whole story on that, and mm-hmm. I'm still lot of stuff still coming up about that yeah you know just the other day i found out that her name wasn't even her real name oh really yeah i got her yeah. baptism record so you know it's it's always a learning thing when you're trying to go back and find your history and your family's history when you had Well, none. I, yeah and it
0: must be complicated right because i mean the last residential school didn't close till 96 yeah. right yeah. so like that's not a long time ago man no no and it's <laughs> yeah it's
1: been like a a lot of back and forth stuff and yeah. uh, you know I haven't been getting a lot of good participation from uh, the record archives people mm-hmm. do uh, the FOIP laws and there's all kinds of red tape of now, but slowly and there's some progress coming right so I'm yeah. happy with that uh, yeah so my mom was raised in there she was uh, you know and when I researched my book I, I, I was able to get copies of my mom's uh, records in residential school, what they have, uh, medical records and stuff mm-hmm. that she used for for uh, the big civil claim they all had there, yeah. which she wasn't part of because she died before that,
0: oh, okay. which a lot of people have, and it's yeah. unfortunate, right? Uh, and so they didn't make any reparations to family members after that? Like if, uh, not that I know of. Not to yeah. ours anyway, yeah. right? Not to ours. Uh,
1: there was... Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff. There's so much in it to, to get into that. It's, mm. a whole different. <laughs> but, uh, it's a whole episode on its own. Right? Right? Oh, totally. Yeah. So my mom was raised in there after the aftermath of that and the sexual abuse, she went through mm. uh, from actually from some church members. She was sent to mm. Uh She had a lot of mental health issues after that. Very angry. She was uh, fighting men all the time. Amen. and. She was actually, you know, those answered a lot of my questions growing up. Older now, yeah, it all made sense after. Yeah, this is why mom was like this. Yeah, because she never talked about
0: it. Oh, yeah, that would have been hard. Yeah,
1: she never talked about uh, all the things she went through. She, you know, when I was reading the reports, it said this: this a little native girl. She's, you know, she's like seven years old. Uh, She has nobody in this world. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I just started crying when I read that. Yeah. She had nobody. So that makes sense for why she was with the way she was with us. She was Mm -hmm. always there for us the best she could, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, my path kind of went in the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's that intergenerational stuff, you know, and and living that kind of life, and and, uh, it took me in that same path. Uh, My mom had another son. Uh, She told us that there was an RCMP officer when she was really young got her pregnant and she Mm. was like just really young so she had to give the kid up and he took off to another part of the country Mm. and I don't think they ever seen each other again because of that he was new to the force I guess and uh, my mom was going out to dances and stuff like that she didn't know anybody right and you know and I I looked up some old records of her criminal records or some prostitution Mm. stuff you know. And that made sense too. Mm-hmm. I remember mom coming home and late at night and, yeah. and bringing food and bringing groceries, chicken on the way. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't drunk. It's nothing. She's yeah. trying to provide for us kids. That's all she knew, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mom met a lot of abu- uh, abusive boyfriends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk about a few of them. I mean, my dad in there, my biological dad at the beginning, and uh, another guy she was with for like nine mm-hmm. years. You know, he was, you know, my own father too, I remember he was a painter, and our whole living room was canvas. He painted mm-hmm. like nice murals, and he that's yeah. so how he made his money. I guess he sold pictures mm-hmm. before all this new stuff come in. You wouldn't yeah. be able to do that now, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Eh? But that's what he did, and, and then I remember the, the beatings from my mom, you know, him coming home late at night, and my mom taking me, my brother and sister, and we're like, five, four, and three years mm-hmm. old. Let's go, we got to hide your dad's home and he's screaming, mm-hmm. you know, where are you? F this, F that and, and she'd hide us in the basement underneath yeah. the stairs, right? And then he would pull her up by the hair and kick her and, oh, and we're screaming trying to pull him back down the stairs. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but you know, when you go through years and years of that, it's kind of normal after a while.
0: Yeah, it's strange, eh?
1: Right? And, and to yeah. be in an environment where I am today and not yeah. have that chaos, I, you know, how do you survive that? Like how do you I don't
0: know, how'd you survive it? Yeah. <laughs> like how did you do well, it? Oh, it gets better, dude. Yeah, like the well I know I, I meant I noticed that you you paused before saying intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Um it made me think of someone just told me that a psychiatrist told them there's no such thing. And I thought, Wow, what a crock of shit. Hey, eh? yeah, yeah. Like no, you have some st- Boiled whatever psychiatrist yeah. telling telling someone who they po- couldn't possibly understand yeah. that they're wrong. Wow, eh? Right? To feel the way they do.
1: Yeah, and there's still people out there like that. There's yeah, still... this was
0: last week, man.
1: Wow, yeah. That's... <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I think with the reconciliation and stuff, there's a lot of... I think it's on the right path. I mm-hmm. think it leads to the education yeah. part, right, for people yeah. and uh, you know acceptance and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I we're a lot further off back when I was a little boy, that's Oh, for sure. my God, man. I can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my mom meets another fella, and uh, he looked like Elvis Presley, eh? Yeah. He's got the beard here. He's got the Elvis beard. He played guitar. You know, I'd say he had blue suede shoes, but he had the blue <laughs> suede suit. Oh, did he? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And he worked for the city, eh? City yeah. Edmonton, and he worked there at the gas company. and uh, he, he was good to my mom. He loved my mom. He would take her out. I don't know how they met. Uh, he would take her out. He'd come back and he he give us kids a quarter. Oh, back in 1970, what? 76, 77. What can you give a quarter? Lots. Probably. That's a big bag of candy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chip, pop. <laughs> so we liked the guy. You know, he treated us like his own kids, mm-hmm. and we all moved in together. And he'd sing and play guitar. He was pretty good at it too. And my mom was a singer too, and. Uh, later on you know all the parties would start coming the people would come around Mm. he would start hitting my mom Mm. right and my mom was a real pretty lady and he'd get jealous of his friends coming over so he'd take it out on her right Mm. he never hit a man yeah but he'd hit her right Mm. my mom was just tiny too eh so uh that started getting worse and worse and you know the beatings the screaming you know, and that screaming that I'm talking about is that when it's not a normal parent fight thing, mm-hmm. it's a screaming. And I always remember, and I talk about it in my book, "You're gonna kill me, stop!" Mm-hmm. You know, as me, and my brother, and sister are hiding, out, locked in the basement. Jesus, we're hiding, looking under the door, see if we can see mom, right? But mm-hmm. so we can hear her screaming that she's getting killed.
0: Jesus,
1: man. And we, on one occasion, it was a cold February in Edmonton, and. And we were all in that basement. We we're locked in there because of what he was doing to her. And we were yelling too to let us out. Uh, we heard glass smashing, mm. and uh, so we decided we had a little—you know, those little basement, the old ones, the little ones with the three squares mm-hmm. of glass, the windows. Yeah, we were just small enough to get through. Them. We broke through them. Yeah, crawled through the snow, got out, and we ran out to the street to meet my mom there. Mm-hmm. It was my mom who jumped through the window to run from him oh wow he was beating her with an old Electrolux vacuum pipe yeah and she was naked and she was bleeding all over from the glass we all ran down the street we're screaming on neighbors doors Mm. you know it was hard for people to answer because we were the only natives in the block Mm. we were the natives that had the ambulance there all the time yeah the police cars there my school was right across the street I missed so much school because I was embarrassed yeah uh if you look out my window, you can see the house right there, like from here to there. Yeah. So, you know, I stayed away from school and everybody knew what was going on. And mm-hmm. nobody opened the door for a long time. Yeah. Maybe about a block, two blocks away in the cold and the bare feet, all of us, someone let us in. My God. Got my mom's medical attention, fed us and put us to sleep, right? Yeah. But what happened the next day? <laughs> everybody knew about yeah. it, right? Uh you know, I went through a lot of race, racism then too, right? You mm-hmm. know, I used to be called a wagon burner or dirty Indian. It's a dirty Indian. And a, you know, the wagon burner, I didn't even know what that meant. I thought it was not a bad thing back then. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know, right? I was just a yeah. little guy, right? But we always tried our best and uh, that went on for years. So seven years old, I'm taken away. I'm starting my journey in the system, mm-hmm. right? I'm taken to a place in Edmonton, it was detention center, lockup, so you're Mm -hmm. locked in there, you don't get out, uh, I was through social services, child welfare back then, I forget, they called it different, the names, it'd be the same for the province, I guess they had different names, and I always remember that color, right, it's that institutional color, it's kind of, it's a little different than that, you know that one? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember all the beds, like this, kids' beds Mm -hmm. lined up in rows, just like you see in those old shows. Yeah the old frames and all of us on there and everyone, Mm. you know, I was so scared. I peed my pants and I was there for two days. I didn't even tell nobody. Nobody knew the difference. Nobody cared. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden I was back home again. So, you know, my mom got us back, whatever she did. They ended up working together, her and this guy, and they got us back at that time. You know, that went on and went on and went on again. It was always drinking, always drugs going on. We started sneaking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, a little bit of pot they would leave, you know, the leftover beer there. We mm-hmm. take some bottles too, right? Yeah. Hide them. Started getting that feeling, you know, it's something different that mm-hmm. before. That warm feeling. That warm, you know, it's not too bad. Huh? yeah oh, Okay. Well, this kind of takes me away from what's going on. Yeah. So maybe more after that, I want to be older. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I want to be an older person and try to drink with them. And, you know, there's times I could drink with them and mm-hmm. they get the little kid pissed and passed out through going up and stuff like that. And right? mm-hmm.
0: uh, for some reason, back in those days, it was always fun for adults to get kids. Drunk, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like it was weird. It yeah, was no. now you'd be basically charged. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd be in <laughs> the but, <pen. laughs> but back then people would like play guitar and dance for the little drunk kid. Oh, yeah.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. wild, right? Yeah. Times have yeah. changed. Yeah. So, about uh, nine years old, 10 years old, I'm, I'm taken away. I was really close to my brother Jerry, right? Mm-hmm. We were, and my sister Selena. She, uh, but she was more dotted by, by Barry, or the guy's name was Barry, by the way. Yeah. She was more dotted and uh, taken care of, had her own room painted every six months, oh, and all the vanity, mm-hmm. and, you know. And me and my brother slept on a mattress in the basement, right? With the bricks and the dirt coming mm-hmm. out of the walls of the old houses. That's what yeah. it was, right? Yeah, unfinished basements. Yeah, and the old ringer washer going dampness mm-hmm. all over. And yeah. the, thing, the water draining out is just humid all over. That's mm-hmm. where we, we slept. Woke up one time, this much water in our bed. Me and my brother were just You're floating.
0: floating. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. man.
1: So we went, uh, we got taken away again. uh sent to a place called Westfield in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It was actually a uh, a big center with units and lockup yeah. and open custody kind of stuff. That was the terms back then mm-hmm. closed custody, open custody, right? Yeah. And uh, it was a little different there. I was put in an all boys place, a unit, mm-hmm. a, co- a cottage actually, it was a cottage one. There's three cottages and three units. And uh, I started going to school in there and, you know, I was told, you yeah, I'd only be here for, a little. I was always told, you know, all the places I've been, you're only going to be here a little while. Yeah. And I always fell for it. Yeah. Right? And I became a runner. I mm. do you guys have been lying to me too much, you know. Yeah. I don't want my mom, I want to go home, right? I was really close to my mom, right? Mm. And I always, always had this worry about her, mm-hmm. if she's ever going to be around. Three yeah. years later, I'm still there. Mm. Nobody comes and sees me. Jeez. I thought mom died. That's it. He killed yeah. her, right? So I went through that. I I was running away in there. I ended up, you know, and I talk about my book. I ended up all over the province. Mm -hmm. There's so many little stories on there of this 10-year-old kid stealing a truck and sitting on pillows and drinking and picking up an 18-year-old guy to show us around that lived in town because we had booze and drugs. Mm -hmm. And we're just little kids. We actually found it in the vehicle we took. That's where we had it. Then he gets hammered and starts picking on us, so we leave him on the side of a dirt road when he goes yeah. out and pees. <laughs> You're being mean. <laughs> it's
0: simple to a 10-year-old yeah. He stole a car. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs>
1: being mean to us, man. You're out of yeah. here. So we just he just jumped out for a piss. We left him on the side of an old r- dirt road, or it was actually snowy road then. But uh, we've seen him the next day. I'll be happy to report. He was alive. He didn't freeze to death. Excellent. And, and we drove right by him. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. So there's so many little stories like that, right? That uh, I had to research and go through all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm out of Westfield. Go back home. My mom's not with this guy anymore. Uh, you know, he was with her for maybe a few months at that time. But all the beatings, one time we heard screaming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it wasn't my mom anymore. Oh. It was him. mm mm-hmm. See those old phones that had, the old heavy ones with the... Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, she guy. took that. She clothed him with it in the tub and it split his face open. He was screaming wow. in the tub. He was a big guy, too. Yeah. Just giving it to him, eh? And we were all like, yay, no. You're going <laughs> to yeah. kill mom now, right? Yeah. So we right, mom, stop him. He left. He, he ended up uh, marrying our babysitter, some young girl. Mom, oh, man. Yeah. So that's where he went. We were happy, but, you know... The things that I can say about him is he provided for us. Mm -hmm. He worked, he's a mechanic, he always worked. That's the only good thing I can say, if there Mm -hmm. is a good thing to say, I have to add that too. Uh, And my mom had no skills to do anything, Mm -hmm. right? So that was all gone, Yeah. right? So we were raised on social services money, Alberta Mm -hmm. Works now they call it, you know, and and whatever my mom did to make money, right? Uh, And moms do whatever they gotta do. Whatever they gotta do, right? So here I am, I'm about uh, 13 years old now and I'm running away. I don't go to school. Who? Mm-hmm. That's for that's those mean guys over there. Why the <laughs> hell did I do that? Yeah. If I go there, I go to the park and I fight with all the guys because mm-hmm. the guys are calling us names. And I, I yeah. end up fighting lots for me and my brother and sister because that's what you had to do in our neighborhood mm-hmm. and being where the only, like I said, the only natives in the neighborhood, right? Uh, I walk in the door and there's this lady. She's got the big hat. Big fur hat, the fur coat, and she's uh, she walks in the door, and my mom's crying, and I'm like, "Mom, what's going on?" She goes, "I'm just, I can't take it anymore. I can't take anything, right?" My mom used to have a habit of cutting herself all the mm. time, right? And and uh, uh, on one occasion, I was I was eight years old, and I went through a lot of stuff with my brother and sister in this growing up, or maybe I can say it wasn't so much then, it was me dealing mm. with it. She asked me to go to the bathroom and get her a little box out of the, out of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. So here's me. I climbed up on the on the toilet and on the sink. And I grabbed this little box and I passed it to her. She took out a Schlick razor and almost cut her stuff. Yeah. Blood all over as kids. And oh, man. That was a She lots, right? Yeah. And when we look at today, look, my arms are all like that too. Mm-hmm. I end up doing the same thing. Yeah. So. Uh, somehow to deal with the pain yeah yeah and it wasn't even the drugs at that time either right it was just to to deal with stuff right so this worker it was a social worker she said uh bastards i mean (laughs) she walks in the door and she says uh carrie and i'm like what and i'm looking over this way because that's the way i'm running Mm -hmm. because i was a runner back then (laughs) i was known for running they'd locked me up i was locked up at one year at a time at different centers. Mm-hmm. Compulsory care, they called it. Yeah, Because you're a runner. Because I was a runner, right? Yeah. And they even hired a guy to, to escort me around if I had to go anywhere, mm-hmm. so in case I'd run away. Yeah. So I always remember that. Right? <laughs> and I'd be with a friend or something, if I went for mm-hmm. a walk, this guy had to be with me. He was an adult. He was, yeah. a, it was a, some kind of guard they hired, yeah. right? And my friends used to always give him, heck, why are you leave him alone? Leave him alone. <laughs> I didn't have him. Just <laughs> yes, we can still smoke. He won't yeah. say nothing. <laughs> yeah, you just got used to it, right? Yeah, he yeah. won't say nothing. I'm going to smoke anyway. I'm just a little kid. Yeah. He's not going to say. Anything. He's just <laughs> here to watch me, right? So uh, this worker tells me, my mom's crying. She says, "No, I just can't take him, my boy. You know, I I, I need a break." And mm. I'm like, "Mom, I just, I just got out of that other place for three years mm. and." It was the same thing. I can't go back. They're not going to let me go again, right? And then she said, the social worker says, let's come and sit down here and talk to me. He says, two weeks. i got a safe place to, to take you. Uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in Edmonton, it's in the West End. Well, she didn't really say the West End, but that's where it ended up being. Mm-hmm. There's all boys there. It'd be good for you. It's a nice place. Uh, you can stay a couple of weeks. Mom will have some time to think and work on some stuff. And have you ever went camping? Everyone went fishing, mm-hmm. rafting. I'm like, no, I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And I should have been doing that at a very young age. I never yeah. done anything, right? So she conned me. And actually, there's something like, it's one of my chapters, the con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so she took me away in that, in that vehicle and took me to a group home in West Edmonton. There's an older guy there, bald head, about 55 years old. There's about four other little boys there about the same age. Mm-hmm. Looked like a rich house. I call it rich back then. Like any house for, but my little our little shack, yeah. which you've seen a picture of, was mm-hmm. a rich house to me. Like, yeah, these are rich people, right? Wow, well, I, I got my own room and, mm-hmm. right? So I'm sitting in there and uh, having regular meals. Uh, I started going to school again mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. I had to. It's not too bad. They picked me up and stuff. Yeah. And, and then uh, that that worker started uh, telling me hey, you look a little tense, can I give you a massage? Mm-hmm. And that's where the sexual abuse started. Oh, man. Yeah, he'd come in my room and do that to me every night. And and then he would uh, mm-hmm. leave, and then when I'd scream and I'd be crying for my mom, he would tell me to shut up. He says, I said, I'm telling on you. And he'd say, try it. Mm-hmm. You know, with your history and what I do, he was a work social worker, right? No one's going to believe you. Mm-hmm. But if you just just." let things be. He says, I'll let you see your mom every weekend Mm -hmm. because he told me I wasn't allowed to see them at all now. And he says, you got no clothes? I had nothing, right? He said, Mm -hmm. we'll get you a clothing voucher. They give vouchers back then. I started getting little stuff left on my bed, little posters Mm -hmm. for my room. I'd lock myself in the room and barricade at night and he'd get in there. He'd make all the other kids go to bed first. I kept that secret with me for Mm -hmm. until I turned 27 years old when my own son. I come home and I had a letter of apprehension on there and mm-hmm. uh, you know that all that stuff that I blocked out and filed way in the back. Yeah, I was that little kid again. I was that 13 mm-hmm. year old boy and no I was shame. right there and right away I went to ashamed, the shame, the guilt, the mm-hmm. embarrassment and then my little boy having that happen to him and I gotta do something. You know I yeah. gotta keep this from happening. Maybe this guy's still there. Maybe they're going to take him there. Maybe he's crying for his dad. Mm-hmm. So I walked down to the police station and I w- went up to the desk sergeant. Now, with my history, you don't walk mm-hmm. into a police station
0: <laughs> <laughs> at 27 years old. Yeah, no doubt. You stay You're like far mm. away from them, right? Yeah.
1: But I walked and I walked all that way. And it's always cold when these things happen. I'm freezing, but I walked through the snow. Mm-hmm. I still remember the big snowflakes hitting me in the face. And, I'm just trucking along, kicking the snow up and walking down 124th Street in Edmonton. And uh, I walked into that little beat office. They had the beat, had beat office, mm-hmm. old stores they converted into police stations. Oh, okay. They just started doing that at that time. And uh, I walked in there and, and he says, I said I need to say something. And he says, well, tell me. He says, well, I, I can't really, write." He says, well, here, write it down. So I looked at him, and, and he said, just write down everything and see me when you're done. So mm-hmm. I went and sat over there, and I wrote. I wrote away the best I could. I didn't mm-hmm. have the best right. I didn't yeah. finish school. But yeah. I wrote, and then I wrote away, and then I there's people coming in there like for other stuff, and I walked in there, and I walked up to him, and I said, here you go. And then he was looking, at and I started walking out, right? Cause, you know, I just you're scared. This. Yeah. And then he said, hey. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Shit. Come yeah. here, he says, Yeah. come in the back, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. He says, I just read this, he says, you're going to need to speak to detectives.
0: Yeah. I
1: said, I figured something's up mm-hmm. with this, right? So uh, he did that, he, he got all my information, make sure he had everything mm-hmm. and then uh, I went home. I started doing coke, I started doing IV drugs, shooting drugs mm-hmm. in my neck, I was doing, it opened up everything. Yeah, no doubt. It, 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 There's just no way. That's always my only focus is to numb that pain. Eh? Oh yeah. Uh, I was contacted by Major Crimes. All of a sudden, had everybody all over me. Uh, What I didn't know is that this person was working with all boys at another center Mm -hmm. near Edmonton, with all boys. Like I'm talking, like they got like 100 kids there, 120 boys. And uh, an investigation started. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't in no shape to be the best part of it because mm-hmm. I, was, I was like a skeleton, right? You're going through your but pain. I was doing the best I followed through with everything I mm-hmm. did I started it Yeah. and I followed through no matter what shape I was in mm-hmm. I had to do a video thing talk on video about it go yeah. through every little detail of what he did to me everything and I did end up getting all those records from the police too, yeah. right? I've got them today for my book, right? Yeah and uh that's where they arrested him. Uh, I didn't know that every kid in that place I was in, there was he was doing it too. To oh Jesus! Everybody. One of my friends hung him, so Chucky, we called him, oh. little Chuck, and I didn't know till court came. Yeah. Court was the hardest thing. I had to go testify. I'd oh. never testified in my life, and I had to go in there, and there was reporters. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff going on, and and there's these 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 guys there There's two of them there. They're all adults. Mm-hmm. Right? We were in their twenties, maybe yeah. early thirties, and tw- I was twenty-seven, so maybe about thirty. Yeah. By the time things got to that point, and we just hugged each other and we cried. Yeah. And the only thing I did, is, and, and I apologized to them, I, mm. and they said, "No, thank you." Yeah. Right, because I would have never done this. Yeah. If someone didn't start it, right?
0: It's a big deal, man. Yeah.
1: So we hugged each other, we cried, and I went up on that stand, and mm. they
0: said, "Who did this
1: to you?" And I pointed to that man who did that to me. Mm. The court stopped. They told me to go outside. He changed his plea right there. Yeah. And he got nine years. Yeah. And no. I'd heard he died in prison and, yeah. you know, so. Chances were good. Chances were good, yeah. yeah. So, you know, my life didn't change, though. No. No, it was all drugs and alcohol, drugs and alcohol. Failed relationships. Mm-hmm. I was married. Funny thing is, I'm able to stay in relationships for a long time. The reason, <laughs> 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 but uh, there's always, been, you know. I've, the sad thing is, I've, I've had, I've had nine kids. Mm-hmm. I have one I kind of adopted as yeah. my own, but I have nine kids, and I'm still going through a lot of stuff with them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of anger they have towards me. For sure. Some of them understand. You know, I got one that's really close. I've had some I've had to turn away. Mm-hmm. You know, to keep me safe. Uh, you know, you, you wish that people would understand a lot more, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I just, yeah, I just continued on. I continued on my journey. Uh, I started having kids, and I always had the pretty girl mm-hmm. because she had to be so people didn't think that I had something sexually wrong with me, mm-hmm. right? I was yeah. having babies. I had, had the nice girl, Yeah. and uh, I stayed in a relationship. I tried working. I was a tow truck driver for 13 years, and I, I worked pretty hard mm-hmm. at what I did. and. Uh, I was doing drugs too, I was hooked on opiates, down all threes. You know, people are throwing me hundred dollar tips out and, f- you know, 35 below in Edmonton mm-hmm. because I'm freezing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel a thing. <laughs> I don't feel nothing. Yeah. But I d- mm-hmm. always did the best I could with what I had. Right. Mm-hmm. Sadly, one of my ex partners passed away from an overdose and the other one committed suicide. Oh
0: man. Yeah. About six years ago. Yeah. Jeez. So, uh, it's a no-win situation. It's a
1: no-win, yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's always one thing related to addiction, right? Yeah. So my journey started when I, I I got into a, my tweak was my drug was ended up being from the crack cocaine to crystal meth. Mm. And uh, I went from hiding behind the curtains to making my own curtains. (laughs) <laughs> right? With curtains, with and plugins and wires yeah. in them, because I, yeah. I can do that, right? I'm a yeah. genius and all this stuff. So, <laughs> I started making that, and I got into printing and editing and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then I started getting into counterfeiting and documentation mm-hmm. and credit card making and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. That's pretty common. I think it's something to do with the drug in your mind. It just does certain things to people. Mm-hmm. And that ended up getting me in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I went through a lot of stuff there I was in and out of my house I was all over the province and one day my mom I was surrounded by the RCMP out in Edson and my mom had called me and my mom said Carrie my, my boy you got to come home and I'd go home all the time just to give my mom lots of money I'd bring groceries but I didn't want to be around because I was pretty sick Yeah, and I had a lot of bad people with me too and I didn't mm-hmm. want them knowing where I lived and so I, that was the only part I had, and she said, you, you know when, when someone tells, you ever had that experience when someone picks up a phone, you see them answer it, and their face drops? Yeah. Or there's a tone in their voice, you know it's serious. Yeah. And that's what it was with like my mom on the phone. Mm. So at that point, I was surrounded by the RCMP, and I was fighting with them over warrant issues because mm-hmm. I had a house on wheels. I, would, yeah. I just bought a motorhome. And, uh, oh, okay. And none of them knew what the hell they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Right? Yeah. So they were they weren't letting me go until uh, their supervisor came in. Mm-hmm. So I ended up driving right through. And when my mom called me, and they all followed me out of town. Yeah. And they were all on the side of the highway, with their lights on. I thought they were going to do this. They just let me go. Yeah. I think it was as long as I was out of their town because they knew who I was. Oh, right? Okay. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't doing good stuff there. I made it back home, and on my mom's front steps, she come outside, and she was. Uh, I've been sick." And I'm like, I know. What's wrong with you, Mom? You're drinking a lot of water. You're sleeping. She had a lot of menstrual issues mm-hmm. like serious stuff. Yeah. She knows something was wrong. She was losing weight. Mm-hmm. She goes, I got cancer. Oh, she said, Mom, come on. You know? My mm-hmm. mom used to tell us I'm not going to be around long because she's always trying to kill herself, right? Yeah. All her life and all this stuff. And I just come, got used to that, like her saying mm-hmm. stuff. And I said, come on, Mom. She goes, I got cancer. Mm. I said, well, what do you, we can do something, right? What's, what's going on, right? And I started yeah. seeing it was serious. She goes, I, I, I got a kidney coming out in two days. She says, they gave me 60 days to live. Mm. And everything just changed. Like a, it, you know, everything changed as far as yeah. this happens to other people. The only person I loved in my life and been mm. through everything with, with in my life is going. Yeah. It can't be real. Yeah. Right? It can't be real. Oh, shit. So, sure enough, you know, she had uh, her kidney taken out. Uh, She said, "I'm not dying. I'm not going to die in the hospital." Mm -hmm. She said, "I'm going to die at home with my family, and I'm going to make it to Christmas."
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? She died, uh, 2008, December 27th, in Mm -hmm. our living room, and I wasn't there. It was 10 minutes away,
0: Mm.
1: and uh, so going through all of that stuff and sitting down with my mom for some reason and I, i'm thankful today no matter how sick i think the creator the creator was always there mm. you know I, I talk about god in my book and i talk about you know what happened to me in that jail cell mm. and, and i get into that a little bit it was something profound mm. that happened when i woke up in that jail cell and Shortly after my, my mom died, she did pass away. My baby sister, at 38 years old, was found dead two blocks from her house. Oh, man. Leaving only me and my brother in the world, right? Yeah. And we was always four of us all our life. Yeah. I, that's where I was able to venture after that, and that's why all the charges across the province, mm-hmm. because now I had nowhere to go. I was wandering. Yeah. Right? I yeah. was wandering around. And uh, I woke up anyway in Calgary Remand Center, and, 145 pounds of skeleton, Mm -hmm. you know, I had meth face, Mm -hmm. missed teeth that are rotten, falling out, I was in so much dental pain, heart pain, all kinds of stuff, Mm -hmm. right, grieving, I can't call mom anymore, you know, she's gone, I always, when they said, here's, glad you, here's your, uh, here's your call, call your lawyer, I'm like, okay. Call mom. Hi, mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. only got a couple of minutes.
0: <laughs> what you doing? Better mom than a lawyer, anyway. Yeah. Do
1: you think you can sell the TV or something to get me canteen money? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my boy can do that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to own that, too. I wasn't the best son, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh. And they always keep giving, eh? Yeah. 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 They keep giving. And that's saying you don't know what they've got till they're, they're gone. That's, yeah. You know.
0: I say the good ones do. The good ones keep giving. Just yeah. like dads though, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, you know, even when I talk about this today, when I talk about mom's death, it'll always feel like it happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. That never goes away. Yeah. Never goes
0: away. I believe it. Yeah.
1: So Calgary Remat Center, I'm in there. Uh, I'd end up finally turning myself into the police. I've attempted suicide over 15 times and my, my mom and my brothers found me hanging in their basement on one mm-hmm. occasion, and you know, I still have neck problems for, to this day from that. Yeah. I didn't know until I woke up in ICU what really happened. Mm-hmm. And don't remember a lot of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I had. I tried to call my brother when I was in that. When I was allowed. To, when I got on the unit in the remand, and all the times I called, right after my mm-hmm. mom died, I, and my brother did a great job. He took care of the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, he did. He had, didn't have the best life. He was in there for, with me a bit at the beginning. Yeah. But he just said, "Hey, man, you're too wild. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to jail all the time, and you got cops looking for you all the time." He stayed home. He started looking after mom. Then mom mm-hmm. got sick, right? And he ended. Up, my mom was kind of training him for what should have been my job.
0: Yeah.
1: He trained him. You know, here's what the kids need. Here's your schedules. Mm-hmm. And he raised those little kids. Wow. Yeah, one's an actor. One's a dancer. You know, one's uh, trained to become a cop. And right on. So all kinds of stuff, eh? So I'm in the remand, and uh, I. I get, you know, I'm, I'm, that sick feeling and I get a call, glad you go down to your lawyer Right, you're going to visit. So I go down there and here's my lawyer. And he said, sorry, I didn't come sooner. I've never sat and heard some of these charges that long in my whole career. Mm-hmm. Two hours, he says. <laughs> That's what he says to read 300 charges on yeah. it. And I says, how many a guy? He says, yeah, we're at quite, pretty close to 300. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what am I looking? I still remember his name was Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Peter, Peter N, and he says uh, probably around 11 years. He wow. says that's probably the best we can do. You got a history, you got penitentiaries, mm-hmm. and you got organized crime ties, and and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. But he says there's no point in even going for bail. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm there. I'm, mm-hmm. You know. So I went upstairs and into my cell, and I opened up a book. I opened up the Bible, did you? and I opened up to any page, and it was a Jeremiah, I don't remember the whole thing, and, and it said, you know, know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. Right, If you pray with all your heart and soul, I'll answer you. And I started getting mad, and I started crying. I was mad, why do you let all this happen mm-hmm. to me, right? And why did you take my mom and... And then I started crying, and I said, I want a second chance. Mm-hmm. Right I'm kind of getting
0: it. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, man. And uh, Me too. That's okay. Yeah,
1: and uh, I got on my knees in the cell and I prayed. Mm-hmm. And uh, the feeling that came over me wasn't, you know, it, it was a feeling that when I was on my knees and I was crying, I don't know because I never cried, mm-hmm. that release, but it was a release in words that everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I went with that. Yeah. I started going to meetings in the remand. Uh, my lawyers telling me, you know, we're still, <laughs> yeah. we're a long ways away from anything right now. Mm-hmm. So so that was that. And I went to chapel. I started going to chaplain there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I took, uh, you know, I started doing stuff like that. I hung out with the mm-hmm. guys that were doing that too. Yeah. And I stayed with those guys. I didn't stay well with the yahoos and the gangs. Those mm-hmm. guys are trying to all the gangster stuff I, I it wasn't for me anymore mm-hmm. you know i, I was I, I was done i was 41 years old i was a 41 year old baby and that's when i started yeah. treatment right wow so yeah. you know six months later i'm in there still and i don't know what's happened with me i hear about calgary drug treatment court and mm-hmm. and uh i told my lawyer i said well can you apply he says i can look into it so he gets back to me and says because of my old my violence and and stuff from the past, and my organized crime, and the amount of charges. There's mm-hmm. so many things against me, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't take me. I just said, "Well, keep trying. I ain't going anywhere." Yeah. He says, "Carrie, if if I can get you down to seven years, would you accept it?" I said, "Well, let's do this first. You know, mm-hmm. I got. I'm, I'm settled in the dream, man. Mm-hmm. I'm in the my old jail frame of mind. I'm not going anywhere. I don't have that thing of looking out the window anymore, mm-hmm. except to see the deer, and that was well." <laughs> And uh, so let's do that. So he comes back and after a few times and says, well, most there's, they, wouldn't t- they don't talk to you, drug court, right? Yeah. They never talk to you. Don't tell you a decision. They don't tell you you're doing anything. Keep you really in suspense, right? Mm. One day I got a call to uh, attend court. I've been invited to sit in and observe. Yeah. So I'm talking to people that, you know, been in drug court before. And uh, that's a good thing they're telling me. It's mm-hmm. a good thing. That means they're kind of considering it, right? Yeah. Bam, I got accepted, right? I was out, I was sent to Simon House Recovery Center, mm-hmm. and uh, I've done a treatment bit to get a parole date when I was in my 20, mm-hmm. my, my first pen bit when I was 19. Yeah. And uh, I got a, did treatment, a 28-day program at Palmix to get that parole, full parole. And I followed through, I didn't learn anything. I wasn't <laughs> there for that, right? Mm-hmm. I was here to get the parole. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I could do 28 days in a treatment center, mm-hmm. but this was different. You know, I was a lot of structure. It was a very structured place back then, yeah. and uh, I think I did okay. I didn't have any problem with the mm-hmm. structure. Uh, I was pretty grateful for the court, and, and for it was a court program. Yeah, and I was grateful for them accepting me, and not throwing me away for eleven years mm-hmm. or seven years, because I don't know if I would be alive today. Yeah, you know, I was such a mischievous guy, mm-hmm. into everything, and. Didn't matter, right? And yeah. I'm sure that would have took me out. So I did what they said and uh, got a job, started making paychecks. Mm-hmm. No cops bothering me. Uh, I got asked one day, you know. I started taking to the other clients, and I started sharing my story. And yeah. and uh, I'd come back. I went through all three phases, and one of the last phases off property. And I'd come back and start talking to the guys, trying to help the new guys. Mm-hmm. Right, hey man, I've been there. You yeah. know, you know, it's got to leave all that over there. You can't make leave the nest over there still, so you can come back to mm-hmm. it. Get rid of it all, right? And um, they end up hiring me as a support worker. Right on. Yeah, and then uh, I started there, and then I worked my way up to uh, even the cons- client service worker, mm-hmm. even the counselor, uh, then a counselor facilitator, and then now I'm the intake coordinator. So I get to bring guys in. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I. I I've been through all kinds of stuff, and yeah. you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And, and no. everyone that shares their stuff, people call.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, my book has been very supportive in that, and getting people to reach out to Right which, on. And it's doing all the stuff I wanted it to. Yeah. You don't make I don't make any money off it, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the reason. Yeah. But it's doing it's it's my family history. It's the mm-hmm. legacy of my mom, my late sister, yeah. my brother, and me, and our contrib- our contribution and giving back to. Mm-hmm. To everybody else, yeah. right, and, and to the reconciliation, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's huge, and I, I like to do my best to yeah to make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, there's always all kinds of stuff, relationships, you know, I, mm-hmm. uh, that's always tough, and I p- maybe contribute that to my past. Sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? I relationships are tricky anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. they're tricky anyway, and then I I'm picking up a lot of stuff from my. My past, unfortunately, with the relationship and and which I really don't want to get into no, no. too much, but yeah, it's okay. you have to always remember that it's about that little girl mm-hmm. and it's about what I'd say. What's my part? Yeah, am I going to start another generation off like that? Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and sobriety always comes first. Yeah, right. And that's another thing too, right? Like,
0: well, that's how the cycle breaks, man. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And, You know, when things, and that's one of the hardest things that happened for me, besides losing a lot of good friends, Mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you have too,
0: David. God, man, it's been terrible.
1: Yeah, and uh, is do I want to show them? Like I used Mm -hmm. to, I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah, The only thing I'm going to show you is how fast I can get into rematch. Yeah.
0: How fast (laughs) I can get myself into trouble. (laughs) Yeah. In jail, (laughs) sick, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm just not that guy anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm. Allergic to chaos. Mm. I'm very uncomfortable around it. Like at the beginning
0: we talked about. Yeah, where I was at home Yeah, I'm so uncomfortable. About it. Well, it, it starts to make you feel queasy, right? Yes like When you're used to peace man, it starts to be like whoa, I yeah. don't want none of that. Yeah, I have a real quiet life I do mm. my little things and
1: and uh, Stuff I enjoy and yeah, you know, and that's what it's about. I wasted a lot of years. Mm. You know, I just turned 50 here, so. You're 50? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, I never would have guessed <laughs> yeah. that. 37. Yeah. Ah, no more than 37. No more than 37. Well, when I came into the program, like, I'm, what, mm-hmm. nine and a half years clean now, I came in, I, oh, had, right on. I had a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. I swear I did anyway. <laughs> My mustache was black. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. now it's all gray, and uh, I'm losing hair, and I'm yeah. thinking about shaving it. And, <laughs>
0: oh. But Mine you know, was all black and dark brown, and yeah, now it's gray yeah. coming out everywhere. I yeah, so.
1: and time just flies. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like to say I'm doing uh,
0: trying to live the best and catch up on when I can. Mm. And, you know. Am so, I perfect? No. No, of course not, but nobody no. is. Yeah. So yeah. you started talking about your book. What's the name of your book? It's Where do people find it? That yeah. kind of stuff. It's called Second Chances The Carrie Gladue Story. Mm. It was endorsed by
1: Dr. Gabor Mate uh, and yeah. a lot of good people, good supports to the community. Uh, I love Gabor Mate. Yeah, yeah. It's I had fantastic. a chance to speak in Regina, and did you? Uh, he was there. And uh, so I, I proposed that to him. I yeah. had a friend that had his email address, and nice. said, yeah, I remember you. Yeah. yeah, let me look. And he sent me that back. So That's it's not good. a long read, but it's a very intense read. Uh, mm-hmm. I just did some reading for some universities who are interested yeah. in it, and uh, a lot of uh, institutions for their programming. Right on. Uh, I've got it in the Calgary Remand Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I like to get it to go in a lot of, that yeah. was my focus when I wrote that book is, you know, a lot of people say, well, the name we should change the name. I said, no, the history of that name is me crying on that cell floor. Mm-hmm. And the words, please can I have a second chance? Yeah, It's staying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's for my sure. word, right? And I kept everything. Yeah, And I wrote that book to, not as a, in a pro- professional intellect, mm-hmm. but in my words. Mm-hmm. And you read it, yeah. It's in my words from me to that person, yeah. And I joined them in the book, and I, mm-hmm. I talk to them in the book as they're going through, because I know mm-hmm. what they're going through. I thank them yeah. for being there with me in my story. We're going through this together. We're walking through this together. It's an intimate
0: experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm happy to say it's doing that. It's uh, Terry Gladue, called Second Chances. I'm. Mm-hmm. A, you can Google my name, you'll find it on there. My Facebook page is Second Chances Carrie Gladue please like and share. And you can order it. There's a shop button on there. You can order good. it through there. Uh, post is pretty good. Three to four days. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, it's good. I've got a lot of support on it. I'm
0: thankful for that. And yeah. uh, it's doing, it's, it's always fun. good seeing, seeing it out there and yeah. seeing like posts where you're talking about it and stuff like that. And yeah. like, I, I don't know if that was your thinking, but I know one of the things that opened up doors for me in recovery was being able to be open about my childhood sexual abuse. Right. Yeah. Like it just, it, it connects us to other men who are hiding and yeah. are scared and not just men, of course, but everyone, yeah. Yeah. um, but men specifically, yeah. like, because you and I both know that we men do not like talking about that stuff. And no. even as we're talking about it here in this very comfortable setting, there's part of my brain going, shut up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like every yeah. time it comes up, there's yeah. a part that goes, shut up. Yeah. And- well, you see me kind of positive it, yep.
1: it that, it's never, that's never going to go away. I, yeah. I don't think anyone can ever tell me it will, it, it, but I'm okay where yeah. it is today.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm okay if that's yeah. the best it's going to do. Yeah. It's a lot better than before. Oh my God, right. man. Yeah. What a destructive force. Hey, yeah. that pain is like, it's just such, it's like a, a fucking tornado, yeah. you know? And right. then we look like that, the tornado, except we're on the, the tornado's on the inside and we just look absolutely batshit crazy on the outside. Yes. Right?
1: Totally. And, and for, for your listeners out there, those that may be struggling, mm-hmm. we've been through, it and there's a lot, lots of us have been through it, and mm-hmm. and it's okay, and, and there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It's wrong with that person. And yeah. Come and talk to us. Reach out. Yeah. Right? Because we love you and we're here for you. For sure, man. You're not alone anymore. No,
0: you're not. Only and we if, won't let you be alone anymore. That's right. <laughs> you're not alone if you don't want to be, right? Like, yeah. you don't have to be. And- I think that's like really good information to pass on like yeah. um that there are men out here willing to share that part of themselves because not because they want to yeah right because no. there's none i don't i have to, have to meet anyone who wants to talk about yeah. it but it's because we we do it because we know that there's people suffering yeah. in silence it's right? draining
1: yeah like you're probably gonna be drained i'm gonna be real drained yeah after yeah. This. yeah yeah it's
0: really I, I went on a friend's podcast a couple of weeks ago and this is all we talked about was child abuse oh wow and and when I left there, I was like, I was empty. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't focus. It was, and I knew that was going to happen yeah. much like yourself, right? Yeah. When we, as we get a little bit more experience talking about it, we realize the toll it takes on. No, for right? sure. yeah.
1: yeah, I totally agree.
0: Even just acknowledging it takes a toll, right? Because yeah. we're not, kids aren't supposed to be treated that way. No. You know, um, no. they're just not supposed to be. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Carrie? Well, I would like to thank you for your show. I follow oh, you, of course. of course,
1: here and there, and I, I listen to some of them, and yeah. I think you're doing a great job, David. I've known Thanks, you man. since the beginning of my journey.
0: I know. I I, I can't. Yeah. It's so long. It's like a hazy picture. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when you came in, but I remember you were in drug court, and yeah, yeah and what an incredible program that is. Yeah. For people, hey. Yeah. Are you a, still associated with it, or
1: uh, just we work with them as far as. Uh, yeah. treatment aspect of their program. We provide okay. that for them. We're one of their partners and, right on. Yeah. Uh, I I did work. Yeah. That was a funny thing. Yeah. I ended up working for them for two and a half years. Imagine that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Actually, you know what? For me, for my money, it was exactly what needed to happen, yeah. man. It was like, it's like that, that progression in the opposite direction of death, right? Yeah. To gradually become
1: alive. It, you know? Exactly. You couldn't put it any better. It's, it is. It's a progression going that way. It's going to take the same to come back. That's right. right? It's yeah. not going to be overnight, and yeah. but it will happen. Yeah, and It works if you work it. Yeah, no shit.
0: <laughs> 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 well, man, I really appreciate you coming in today, yeah, man. Thanks for having me.